Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night as I am recording into a new microphone. So if it sounds a little bit weird, it sounds a little bit off, then I apologize. I'm going to do some troubleshooting, going to try to make it work. Uh, but we're going to have a good time with this. And then I think my voice is going to sound a lot better. Uh, it's all because of you guys that I'm able to do this. So thank you so much. Uh, we're going to talk about the Denver Nuggets, of course. And we're going to talk about the rotation because we're kind of on off days right now. And I thought that it would be a good time to talk about where we are at with the Denver Nuggets rotation because we've seen a lot of guys go down due to injury. Uh, we've seen a lot of guys step up in those situations, namely uh, Austin Rivers, Shaq Harrison, Vaku Campazo has stepped up, and I think he's played better as a starter than he has as a bench player. So that is a really good sign and, and maybe something that Denver should take into account for the future. But let me just say this. It's going to get really difficult now because on top of Jamal Murray going down, now on top of Monte Morris and P- and uh, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier has now also gone down. He has a right hip strain, or no, it's an adductor strain. That is what we have determined based off of the injury report. It is another groin injury. We don't like those. Those are pretty disappointing. And at this point, the Nuggets, they got to be pretty disappointed with how that is happening to everybody on the team. Started with Gary Harris. Wancho Hernan Gomez had it. Uh, Mason Plumley has had it. Will Barton has had stuff. Really has just happened to everybody at this point, and that is a really disappointing fact, but we move. We're going to try to figure it out. In their place, you had Falco Campazzo starting. PJ Dozier was starting. Now I think it's probably going to be Austin Rivers, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where Denver goes from here with the rotation that they have to build against the New York Knicks. We're going to talk about what Denver does in in the second segment. We're going to talk about playoff matchups. Uh, Denver is going to be facing one of the teams in the top seven. We don't know who it's going to be. I'm going to talk about each of those playoff matchups and go through each of them uh, from a most favorable to least favorable perspective. And then we are going to go do a mailbag. And I'll do a mailbag at the end of each of these episodes over the course of the next couple days because I think it's fun. I think... We're at that stage where people have a lot of questions, especially with where the team is at right now. So I want to be able to answer some of those, and it should be fun. So let's do that. But first, let us get into the rotation. So, Faku Capazzo is going to start. He was starting before. He's done a really good job. I think he's going to start. I think he's going to play about 35 minutes a night. At the backup point guard... It's tough because I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Austin Irvis and Shaq Harrison, but I do think that Marcus Howard is going to step in there. I think he'll play those remaining 13 minutes when Faku is off the floor. Hard to be uh, hard to be too small. I don't think you can play both of those guys at the same time, but I think Marcus Howard deserves the first opportunity that if he can shoot well, if he can play well against uh, the Knicks, then I think that would be a good thing. Austin Rivers will get the backup shooting guard spot. Or no, he'll get the starting shooting guard spot, excuse me. And he'll play about 30 minutes. Shaq Harrison, play about 16 minutes to 18 minutes as the backup shooting guard. And he'll be tasked with playing against Derrick Rose. When those two are on the floor, Shaq Harrison will be asked to guard Derrick Rose with his life. 
Emmanuel Quickly is one of the uh, one of the other backup guards. That is who I think Shaq Harrison will be on, and we'll see whether that goes well. We'll see whether he can maintain it. Uh, we'll see wh- whether he gets switched on to Derrick Rose, whether Marcus Howard can hang. I doubt that he can hang for that long, but he needs to give Denver something. Because if they can play a semblance of a normal rotation, then that will really help them. That will really, really help them against this New York team, which is a good team, but it's beatable. At small forward, I think you're going to see Michael Porter Jr. play 38 to 40 minutes. He's going to play a ton of minutes if necessary. That's just how it's got to go. Uh, Denver can't just play three guards at the same time because those guys, they have a limited commodity, and frankly, they're not all that good. So you want to play your best players. You want to give them that opportunity. Back up small forward, I currently have Aaron Gordon placed in there for about 10 minutes. It's 8 to 10 minutes. Whatever Michael Porter doesn't play, Aaron Gordon will play those other minutes. And he'll play about 20 minutes at the 4, so about 30 in total. So he'll split time there. Most of the time will be as a, at his power forward spot, but a lot of it, or some of it, when, when Porter is off the floor, Gordon's going to have to step up. He's going to have to play well. He might be asked to defend R.J. Barrett. Might be asked to defend, uh, uh, chase around somebody like Reggie Bullock. And if that's the case, then he has to be focused because that's his worst trade is his off-ball defense. So we're going to have to see how that goes. Again, 20 minutes for Aaron Gordon at power forward. I think Jamichael Green will play about 20 minutes. I think that that's probably well-deserved, too. Uh, Denver's going to have to figure that out against Julius Randle. Jamichael Green is, is a good archetype to play against him, as is Paul Millsap. Those guys aren't super quick, but they are strong enough to defend against Randle. That was one of the things that when you played uh, Jeremy Grant against Julius Randle, Grant really struggled, and it was because of his size. So if Denver can do this well, then I think they should be okay against the Knicks. They can match up pretty well physically with Aaron Gordon at times against R.J. Barrett and MPJ at times against R.J. Barrett, but then also Aaron Gordon against Julius Randle, Jamichael Green against Julius Randle, Paul Millsap against Julius Randle. And look, Nikola Jokic, if he needs to guard Julius Randle, could probably do it for stretches as well. At the center spot, uh, Jokic plays about 36 minutes. Millsap plays about 12. Millsap will probably get about 8 at the uh, the power forward position as well. It would not surprise me if he staggered and played next to Jokic a little bit. Whether that's when Randall is off the floor or on the floor, it, it remains to be seen. But Denver has to make up for some of those Gordon minutes at the 3 in some way. And I think that Millsap is going to do that. Now, they could play Bull Bull. They could play Zeke Naji. Maybe that is a better option than playing Aaron Gordon at the three. I don't think so. I think that Denver shouldn't be going too deep into their rotation at this point and trying to rely on young guys to play against a team that's pretty good. They should just try to make it work with Marcus Howard and try not to mishmash their rotation too much but if they did then they could probably get away with playing Shaq Harrison or or only one guard at one point and then play Michael Porter at at the nominal two and then play either Bulbul or Zeke Naji at the three with Gordon at the four 
Maybe it's Jermichael Green at the four. You have to find ways to space. You have to find ways to make it work. But I think Denver can do that. They're going to try to stay traditional at the beginning. It'll probably be Austin Rivers. It would surprise me if it wasn't. Maybe they go Shaq Harrison instead. Maybe they try to stagger some more offense with that second unit. But I actually kind of like Shaq Harrison guarding uh, Derrick Rose. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a good idea to try to target what the Knicks do well and negate that. That is what I would do personally. But we'll see. We'll see how they handle it. I know that a lot of people want to see Bowl Bowl. I know that a lot of people want to see Denver get creative in this case, and Marcus Howard isn't the most creative guy. But I think that Michael Malone would be, he would be admitting something pretty big if Marcus Howard didn't get that first try. He's already pushed him down the, the totem pole. And despite the fact that Denver could use a win here, it's not necessary. They got that Clippers win, and that was the big thing. The Clippers are going to be in the three seed now, and Denver's in the four. So if Denver has any desires for the three seed, then they should try to get up there. They're going to need a win. I think that you probably have a better chance of winning traditionally than you do with playing Zeke Najee or Bull Bull at the small forward spot. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's that wild. I think that what Denver would be doing with uh, the green Millsap bench unit anyway. So they're going to try to survive uh, like five to ten minutes without Nikola Jokic, and they'll probably still have Michael Porter out there. So you could still see Michael Porter in with that second unit. You have Marcus Howard out there. Maybe he gives you a three or two. And then if you can get that, then you're probably fine. Like, you don't need too much production out of him, because frankly, you don't get too much production out of your guards anyway. So... As long as he doesn't bleed points defensively, then you can make it work. I think that Denver might be in a situation where if they go unconventional, then they could bleed points with that second unit. And that is not what you want. You want to play fundamentally. So we'll see if Marcus Howard can do that. I think he's probably going to be the guy, but it's not guaranteed. Maybe Michael Mullen surprises everybody. I would be interested to see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk the playoff matchups from most favorable to least favorable. But first, this podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. The hits literally keep coming from one boxing event to the next. They grow in excitement and anticipation. And this weekend is no different, with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring on Saturday night. There is no better place to get all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. That's right. That bet $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash $55. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right, 
DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of just $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Back here on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Uh, the reviews have been incredible. If you can, please rate, review, and subscribe five stars on iTunes. That would be awesome. It's been great, though, so thank you so much. All right, let's get into the playoff matchups for the Nuggets. Top seven matchups. I'm going to exclude the, the play-in teams, or at least the teams that I think will be in the play-in, because I think it's unlikely that Denver gets the two-seed at this point. Utah and Phoenix, they just keep winning, and the, the magic number to get up there is just too high. So, I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the top seven teams. We're going to talk about each of those teams as teams, okay, Denver could play either any of these teams in the first or second round of the playoffs, based off of what the playoff bracket looks like right now. So, let's talk about them. Let's talk about all of these teams from most favorable matchup to least favorable matchup and see whether we could agree on something here because I don't know I I ran a poll on Twitter earlier tonight to talk about just just what we think is going to happen and whether uh whether either of the the three teams in the middle that I'm going to talk about whether any of them are favorable or not I don't think so I think there's there's at least a possibility that they are not favorable at all but then my order might surprise you. So we'll talk about it. All right, first up, let's go with the Portland Trailblazers. I think that they are the team that I would probably consider the most favorable matchup. And look, all of these matchups are going to be difficult. And I think that that's probably the thing that stands out to me when I talk about, okay, what is the best possible what's the best case scenario for a team like Denver? A team that deserves a an easier path. Well, the easy path is probably Portland. Nikola Jokic has history with Yusuf Nurkic and Inez Cantor. He does really well when he goes up against players that he has history with because he sees them, he understands what they do, and he reacts. And I don't think that Nurkic or Cantor can defend him. I also think that Michael Porter Jr. can figure out this matchup size-wise. The Blazers do have some long athletic defenders with Covington, Derek Jones Jr., Norman Powell, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, etc. But MPJ is still growing, and this matchup feels like one where he could really be the third best player in that playoff series. Nuggets fans will cringe when I say that, because CJ McCollum, they know he's pretty good. They know he's dangerous. But Denver can defend Damian Lillard. That two-on-ball scheme, they can make his life pretty difficult, and Portland's life pretty difficult, because of their defensive personnel. They're going to have Jokic, Porter, and Gordon on the floor. 
if you add Monte Morris to that, if you add um, if you add Will Barton to that, if you add PJ Dozier, Faku Campazzo, Denver has a lot of players that can go at Portland. And that's not even including Austin Rivers and Shaq Harrison. There are going to be times, I think, with that second unit that even when Will Barton gets back and Monte Morris gets back, Denver might want to go with three guards and they might decide we're going to play Shaq Harrison. We're going to play him like Torrey Craig and he is going to defend Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum. If he matches up with either of those guys, then they may struggle in those situations because Shaq Harrison really is that good of a defender. PJ Dozier has also shown it too. Hope he gets back and is healthy. Denver can do that. If they have healthy guards, I think that they should be favored to win that playoff series. Next one up is Dallas, who Denver is currently pitted against. Denver would be in the four seed right now. They'd face Dallas in the five seed. Luka Doncic, tough matchup for anybody. Top 10 player, elite, awesome, uh, just... Overall, extremely dynamic. He's going to be running pick and roll with Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, Kristaps Porzingis, and he's going to do it pretty consistently. He can also hunt matchups and hit tough shots in isolation. But what Denver has with Aaron Gordon, they acquired him just for this purpose. They acquired him so that in a matchup like this, they feel like they can still be okay. And they really can be. That if P.J. Dozier, Will Barton, and Michael Porter are also back there, Denver has some wings that they could use. Put Aaron Gordon on Luka Doncic, have Michael Porter guard the opposing big, have P.J. Dozier, Will Barton out there, and whoever switches on to Luka, you at least feel okay about. Now that might not persist in a playoff series, and Luka might still get his shots anyway. But Denver would be in a situation where they wouldn't compromise their defense trying to guard a guy like that. And then you have Jokic. He can dominate a Kristaps, Maxi Kleba, a, a Dwight Powell front court. I was going to say Norman Powell, but it's Dwight Powell. I think he can do that pretty well. And Michael Porter should also have an easy matchup, whether it's Kleba whether it's Dorian Finney-Smith, or whether it's Luka Doncic even. Michael Porter has the talent, the height, the athleticism, and the shooting capability to be able to be the third best player in that playoff series. And if you have two of the best three, then you're usually doing okay. Denver's going to have some issues with uh, the bench, with Tim Hardaway Jr., with Jalen Brunson, guys like that but they should be better off against Dallas than they were at the beginning of the season. I think that they'd be okay. I think that they would win that series if, and the caveat is a big if, if every guard outside of Murray could get healthy, or at least most of them. Denver's going to need their full cadre of resources. They're going to need it. If they don't get it, then this might be a moot point. Number three, Phoenix. Denver has the best player in that matchup. That's pretty clear. Nikola Jokic is better than Chris Paul. 
Nikola Jokic is better than Devin Booker. Can Nikola Jokic dominate DeAndre Ayton is the question. Ayton is one of the only players in the NBA that actually gave Jokic some trouble this year. Jokic kind of struggled to get to his spots against DeAndre Ayton, and Ayton has really progressed as the season has gone along as well. He's a good player. He might not be good enough to defeat Jokic, but he just has to be good enough. Just has to be good enough for the Suns to show off their matchups against uh, Denver's wounded guard rotation. Though Denver does have a lot of guards that can defend, they might not be good enough to defend Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Also, those guys are kind of better equipped to handle the two-on-ball scheme that Denver usually likes to play with Jokic. They are better equipped to handle that than the Blazers are, because the Blazers, they don't have the outside shooting and the complementary pieces that the Suns do, in my opinion. The Suns also have a more dominant rim roller than the Blazers do. Aiton is really good at catching on the move, and he's starting to make really good passes. So, that is going to be an interesting one. That if Denver has to defend a team like Phoenix, can they match up with those guards in a spaced floor? Denver should have Monte Morris and Will Barton back, but is that really enough? And can Michael Porter, can he go up against a Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder frontcourt wing rotation and be good enough? Is that a good enough defensive tandem to slow down Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon? Do they need to, like, Cam Johnson isn't going to do it. Do they put Torrey Craig on Michael Porter? I think Denver would be pretty happy with that, though Torrey Craig has been really good in Phoenix. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see how that goes. That's an interesting wrinkle, though, that if Torrey Craig gets put on his good friend and Michael Porter, how is that going to go? I'm curious. Number four, and here's where it gets interesting. The Los Angeles Clippers. I think they are a better matchup against or for Denver than the Utah Jazz are. Denver, they have the size and the physicality to match up with LA. Unlike some other teams, that's why they got Gordon. They also got Jamichael Green. They've done a really nice job of adding that size. PJ Dozier is also a really good example. Him being playable now, he wasn't even really playable in that playoff series against them. He had some minutes, but not a ton. P.J. Dozier, being a guy who can match up physically with Paul George, not get abused against Kawhi Leonard, that's a big deal. That is a really, really big deal. And Jokic, he also dominates the center matchup. The Clippers are more talented in their supporting cast than the Suns, though. This is one of those things. Marcus Morris, he's shooting like a million percent from three. Patrick Beverly and Serge Ibaka, they've barely played. They didn't even face Denver. Denver would have to go up against those guys, and those guys are pretty good. They've shown the ability in the playoffs before to be good playoff pieces, to be able to hit outside shots and be complimentary. Hell, Patrick Beverly did it against the Nuggets. 
he was one of the only guys in that playoff series, especially that Game 7, who actually came to play. And that is a big deal. Ivisa Zubac is a tough matchup against Denver. Like, Ivisa Zubac is probably not going to survive against the Nuggets, let me rephrase. But they do have Serge Ibaka, and that could change things because Denver at the beginning of the season when they faced a team, when the Clippers went five out, that was a dangerous thing for Denver. Jokic couldn't handle it at the beginning of the year. Denver couldn't handle it at the beginning of the year. They might be able to handle it better now, but we'll see. And to be clear, Michael Porter, though he won his battle with Kawhi and Paul George, though he won it this past time, those guys would go to war against him in a playoff series. They would go all out. They would try to disrupt him as much as they possibly could. It would be a really, really tough task for Michael Porter in that playoff series. And I'm not sure that if he doesn't play well, I'm not sure Denver has anybody else who can fill his role. And that's what Kawhi Leonard and Paul George do. Marcus Morris too. They have the horses to be able to stop Michael Porter. Not a lot of teams can say that. Next one up is the Utah Jazz. They're the second most difficult which means that the Lakers are the, are the most difficult, the least favorable. The Jazz, they have so much elite perimeter shooting. And the scoring guards, that would be difficult against Denver. Joe Ingles is shooting like a million percent. When I said Marcus Morris was shooting high, Joe Ingles is even higher. In addition, the Nuggets know, and Nuggets fans should know, just how difficult of a matchup Donovan Mitchell is. Denver doesn't have Gary Harris to go up against them. They have to figure it out with P.J. Dozier, Will Barton, Shaq Harrison, Austin Rivers, guys like that. Maybe Mitchell struggles. Maybe he doesn't. But Denver, they still have some of their issues. Like, there's still there are still some issues here. Denver does match up better with them with uh, Porter in a more optimized spot than he was last year. He won't be taken advantage of defensively this time around, though he also might not be a positive. That is a big question here. So we'll see what they do. We'll see how they handle it. Gobert, still the best defensive big in the NBA. Also an above-the-rim roller on the offensive end that Jokic can struggle with. No Murray? You don't have that two-man game that helped prop Denver up the last time these two teams played in the playoffs. Porter does have a really great matchup, though. On the offensive end, I'm not sure who the Jazz have that could really bother him. That is something to mention. That is definitely something to talk about. But we'll see. We'll see what they ultimately do. And then the last one is the the Lakers. They are the least favorable for sure. This really doesn't need any explanation. When they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they become pretty difficult. And the fact that they were able to break Marc Gasol, like the glass around Marc Gasol, due to this emergency that happened when Andre Drummond got shellacked by Denver and Jokic, Marc Gasol would play a lot in that series. Will he stop Jokic? No. 
Could he bother him more? And could he make him pay on the other end? Yes. That is something that I would be concerned about. Drummond can't make Denver pay on the offensive end the way that Marcus Gasol could. That would be tough. Denver could win that series, but they'd need much better shooting. I'm not sure where they're going to get it from. And that's probably the biggest concern. I'm not sure Aaron Gordon is a good enough three-point shooter. I'm not sure that without Murray, Denver can really survive with that guard rotation. They're going to have some games like they had against them on Monday, where they just go 25% from three, 30% from three. And if the Lakers go 35 or 40, it's curtains. But either way, interesting exercise, just to run through it one more time. Blazers are the most favorable. Mavericks are the second most. Suns are the third most. Clippers are fourth. Jazz are fifth. And Lakers are sixth. Least favorable among them. People will want to say they want the Jazz. People will want to say they want the Clippers. I think you try to take down the Suns. They they don't have as much deep playoff experience yet. Though Chris Paul has experience himself. We're going to see, though. We're going to see how they handle it. I am looking forward to it. Let's take our final break. When we come back, we are going to do some mailbag questions. We'll be right back. All right, back here, final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, let me know how you like the sound of this podcast and whether this uh, whether this worked out, because I think that this mic is going to be great, but I did have to change a couple of things with my recording setup and with the, the program that I use. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it handles. Let's do mailbag. Let's go through these. I have four questions here. Should take about two and a half minutes on each of them or so. PJ asks the first one. I'm still a bit puzzled about AG, Aaron Gordon. For some reason, I thought he'd be contributing more points per game. Is he being used to the best of his potential? I would say no. But it's not his fault, and it's not the Nuggets' fault either. Had they had Jamal Murray, had they had Will Barton, had they had Monte Morris, I think things would look a little bit different. Denver's been without those guys for a while now, and the impression that we've been given of Aaron Gordon in those situations is that he really doesn't do anything. But here's the thing. Michael Porter takes a lot of his touches, and rightly so. Michael Porter is in the spots that he likes to take. The when you're running two-man game with Jokic and MPJ... Those are the spots on the court that you'd like to run them with Gordon. Middle of the floor, sometimes the side pick and roll. Got the backdoor cuts, the duck-ins, the post-ups, running around screens, things like that. Gordon? He did a lot of those things for Orlando, and he was pretty comfortable doing them. It wasn't perfect, but he was pretty good. The problem is that Denver needs a traditional ball handler, when Because when they go to Porter, they have a certain style that they like to run, a certain type of set, what they're looking for. They'd be looking for the same exact thing if they went to Gordon, but they do it less because they could just go to MPJ. 
the 45% three-point shooter who can score from everywhere. I would prefer that option too. So Denver's in a tough spot here. They probably need to keep um, evaluating, keep trying new things, keep trying to get Aaron Gordon involved in different ways. They've started posting him up a little bit more, and I think that they should be doing their best to try to get him mismatches where he has a smaller player on him. If they don't find it, then they could just run their normal stuff. But if they do get that, they should try to go to him and get some free possessions off for Jokic. But I don't think they're using him to the best of his potential, but I think that the reason for that was he was going to take a step back. He was going to contribute less. I think ideally, he probably averages about 12 and 6. And he's been averaging less than that. But that's because Denver has had to go to the Porter-Jokic two-man game so often. The ideal splits for Denver's starting unit would probably be about 20 points for Jokic, 20 points for Porter, 20 points for Jamal Murray, a healthy Jamal Murray, 12 points for Barton, and 12 points for Gordon. It's about 94 points per game, staggered over a couple different lineups here or there, but about 94 points per game, and then you get about 25 with the bench, and then you get up to about 120. That's what you would like to see. It's not ideal, though, and Denver doesn't have that. They don't have the pick-and-roll ball handler that can take advantage of those situations. If they just had Monte Morris, I think it might look a little bit different for Aaron Gordon. He would be getting some better looks than he does. But with Faku, it's just not as dynamic of a pick-and-roll. And that's okay. It's not what Faku was brought in to do. Connor asks, In your opinion, does MPJ have an easier path to an all-star appearance than Jamal Murray? I think so. I think at this point, with the way that Denver has structured things, and with what, what's going to happen next year, it would honestly surprise me if Porter wasn't an all-star. Because Denver can struggle, or they can, uh, they can strategize to the point, I'm trying to come up with the word here, sorry. They can strategize a new starting five that has Monte Morris, either Will Barton or P.J. Dozier, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. You aren't going to go to, let's say it's, let's say it's P.J. Dozier. You aren't going to go to Morris for extensive scoring. You aren't going to go to Dozier for extensive scoring. You're not going to Gordon. We've already seen it. You're going to go to Jokic, and you're going to go to Porter. And the way that those two score, they can score in bunches. Murray, when he was doing his thing, when he was doing it when it was next to Will Barton, it was next to Paul Millsap, what Murray would do is he would balance between being a point guard and being the scoring guard. He was finally finding that balance, really striking it with about 21 points per game, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. I think had he been on that same progression, he would be in the All-Star game next year. But when you remove that scoring option, and then you're replacing with a more traditional guy, somebody who isn't going to score a bunch of points, Porter is now in a situation where he's going to score more. I think he probably averages about 24, 25 points per game. 
next year for a Nuggets team that's going to be in about the same place from a standings perspective, top four, I don't see how you don't bring that guy to the playoffs. You have Jokic and he'll or to the All-Star. You have Jokic, he'll be a starter. But then you have Porter. I think he'll probably earn that. That is what's going to happen. Patrick asks, how about a long boy starting five and a mini lad second unit, given all the injuries? Monte, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Jamichael Green, and Nikola Jokic as the starting unit. And then Faku, Shaq Harrison, Austin Rivers, Millsap, and then you probably just rotate in one of the other uh, starters, whether it's Jamichael Green, whether it's Aaron Gordon, MPJ. I don't know. I think this just assumes that Monte is uh that Monte's healthy. We may not see that. Like he might be back, but he's out for tomorrow. So I just don't see how you can really bank on that in this case. You would hope that he'd be back because I think him being back really solves a lot of issues where you have Monte and Faku on the court for about 48 minutes a game. Denver at times when they have Austin Rivers out there running points, when they have Shaq Harrison out there running point, doesn't look as good. Faku at least gets the ball in the right place, and Monte can do a little bit more too. So, I think it's a good idea from an athleticism perspective to put as much length and athleticism in that starting lineup. I think if you're going to go long boy though, you'd want to put PJ out there. But... I don't think that Jermichael Green is, like, I don't think he's good enough to warrant being out there next to Porter and Aaron Gordon. I think that he's in a good spot where he is now. 20 minutes off the bench, plays a little bit with the starters here or there, but most of the time it really is just a bench thing. And that's fine. That's what Denver really brought him in to be. And he's a good quality player, but he has shown not, not enough, in my opinion. I've been a little bit disappointed with what I've seen, but that's okay. He is like, if he can fill the 20 minute per game role and do it well, then that's fine. That's great. That's good enough. Last one before we get out of here, Jokic Fever Dream asks, assuming the Nuggets don't make a deep run, do you still consider this season a success in the big picture? It's tough to evaluate. And, and I would say that the Jamal Murray injury really colored things. Like, it's not a success because he tore his ACL. That's my, that's my feeling there. Independent of that, and independent of the, the injury issues and what, what happens there, like, Denver can't really control that stuff. The goal, and I said this at the beginning, when I thought that Denver didn't really have a chance to win a ring, if you can incorporate... Michael Porter Jr. and make a big two into a big three, then you're doing good things, and then it is a success. Denver can figure the stuff out beyond that to win a title, or at least be in the championship convo. But if they were able to make Porter into a better player, into a more helpful player, a more impactful player, then that was all that you really needed. And I think that still stands. I think that what we've seen this year, with the addition of Aaron Gordon, which I called, by the way, 
and said that they needed somebody like that in order to make this a reality. As long as they incorporated Michael Porter Jr., the, the sky is still the limit. Jokic is the MVP. He's currently the best player in the NBA. That sounds pretty successful to me. Michael Porter? He's in a situation where I could think about calling him an all-star next year. Where you won't be laughed at if you predict that. That's a big deal. That is a really, really big deal. Now, he'd have a lot of competition, to be clear. Like, in that all-star field, let me just go back to Connor's question here. Does does he have an easy path to the all-star than Jamal? An easier path. It's not easy. Let's be honest about that. Here are the forwards in the front court that he has to compete with. Jokic, LeBron, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Downs, Zion Williamson, Paul George, Brandon Ingram. There's a lot of people. If Porter is 10th on that list, then he's definitely not guaranteed because only six guys get voted in from the front court. Then you have two wildcard slots. So if he's the ninth guy, even if they voted in eight forwards, eight front court players, then it would be tough for him. But if he's playing at an all-star caliber level, that's really all that matters. Like you don't care about the the appearances. Nuggets should know that. They know that it's not, it's not going to be easy for them. I think you can still consider this season a success, given what Michael Porter has accomplished given what the Nuggets have accomplished together, and given the future that they still hold in their hand. There's a lot to like about Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Zeke Naji, Bol Bol, and uh, Vlako Chanchar for good measure. You can build around that. You can make that work. You can add to that rotation where you see fit. Whether it's bringing back Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap, bringing back Will Barton, or going out and getting somebody else, Denver will have opportunities to strengthen their roster even beyond this. And they're in a reason to... They're in a... They're in a... They have the ability to do that. Sorry. They have the ability to do that because of what Porter has done, because of what Jokic has done. And if Jokic signs the Supermax in the offseason, then you know that it's a success. You know that they've shown enough. This past season, with all of the ups and downs, you can still feel pretty good. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, sponsored by by DraftKings. God just talking up my butt uh presented by DraftKings, america's top rated sportsbook app we will be back tomorrow to recap the nuggets knicks game which is going to be an important one i am hopeful that denver does well Uh, they match up pretty well physically with the knicks but they need to play well and they need the guards to step up if they do denver can make it work that is going to do it thank you so much to everybody who stopped by We'll talk to you guys very soon.